We've been going through the uh, Passing It On series. We're doing a small series on Passing It On. And started, you know, thinking about the song that we used to sing growing up. And uh, it comes obviously out of the book of Proverbs when you think about it. The Passing On, where the author is wanting to pass it on to his son. And he's the, when you get chapter 30, the mother likewise wanting to pass it on. And so, if you remember the first week, we looked at, to, we need to listen carefully. If you don't listen to something carefully, it's hard to pass it on. It's kind of like we started, you all remember playing the game when you say a sentence and you pass it around, by the time it gets to the end, what happens? It's all distorted. Same thing happened in the uh, Word of God. If we don't hear it correctly, we pass it on incorrectly. And we can, uh, you think about, we looked at that illustration back in, in John when Jesus made the statement that he was in two days he was going to uh, be crucified and then raised again and he'd meet him in Galilee. And you remember uh, then uh, Mary went and anointed him, and the disciples get all upset. Then you should have sold him. And they're listening to Judas. Well, notice it says Mary did what she could, but what did they do? They're listening to Judas. They weren't listening to Jesus, and they didn't do anything sold. And we all can get very, very uh, guilty, and that was the one we looked the first week. Second week, if you remember in the book of Proverbs, the first part, he... Uh, personifies wisdom and life and then also folly and he's talking about just the the uh, what it'll do what wisdom and stuff will do and if you think about it in chapter 2 it says it'll protect you and in chapter 3 if you remember it'll direct you that's why we have Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 uh, then chapter 4 it says it'll perfect you that's why in verse 18 he uses the talking about the word of God and what it'll do it's kind of like it uses the illustration of sunrise in verse 18 it starts off and it's just barely see the sun and as it comes up and the more and more you know the brighter and brighter things become. And then if you remember we talked about communication and there's good communication there's bad communication and it talks about uh, where people are saying one thing and meaning another and they're uh, giving little signals and we have all the kind of things. So talking about good communication needs to be upfront and honest and correct. If you remember then we are two weeks ago we talked about friendship. And friendship is so important. You can have how to ruin a friendship is in the book of uh, Proverbs. How to select good friends because who we are around has a great, great impact on who, what we become and what we're like. And then we also covered uh, being a good friend out of the book of Proverbs. Last week we talked a little about work and wealth. Talked about basically the different people in there, the thief and how he steals. You have the sluggard who won't work. You have the poor, the ones who are truly poor, and what uh, we need to do for them. And then the diligent worker. That's why Paul likewise says, if you don't work, you don't eat in Second Thessalonians. So we looked at that last week. So today, since I knew the Gideons were going to be here, I thought it'd be a, a good one. What does Proverbs say, and what does the Old Testament say about the Word of God? So let's look at it. To topic today would be the Word of God. Look over in Proverbs chapter 30. We'll just look a little bit in Proverbs, and we're going to look been some in the uh, book of Psalms. Notice Proverbs 30 in verse 5 and in verse 6. Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Do not add to His words, lest He reprove you, and you will be proved a liar. The word there, tested, is where we get the word where you take metals and it's purified and the dross comes and then the pure is there. 
So it says that God's word is pure. I think it's important to how many of us truly believe the word of God is 100% accurate. And I think it's important when your definition of what you believe of inspiration of scripture, obviously it's in 2 Timothy 2, all scripture is inspired by God. In 2 Peter 1, it talks about the Holy Spirit moved men. The Holy Spirit's the author. And so I think it's so important, how do we really feel about the Word of God? And it's so important because I remember hearing a person speaking at a church, and the person asked a question, what do you believe about the inspiration of Scripture? And he said, quote, I believe the Word of God is without error in all of its revelatory matters. People afterward come to me, oh, that was great. Wasn't that a man? He's bleeding. Huh? I said, what about the historical matters? There's so many other things. So listen to what people say to really get what does he really say. Notice it says it's a shield. And notice also, the, don't add to it. If there's an error in the Bible, if you've ever looked at uh, Mary Baker Eddy, she said there was 300,000 mistakes in the uh, New Testament, 30,000 mistakes in the Old Testament. So then she is the correct interpreter to do what? She can take them out and she knows all the answers and she has them. So I think it's important when you look at it, the reliability of the Word of God. Do we believe it is reliable? And I think it's important because what's your view of the Word of God? Is a question we have to ask. Second question, what's Jesus' view of the Word of God? If He's the Son of God, it's interesting. In Matthew 4, when they're tempting Jesus, Satan is tempting Jesus. Every time he answers him, what is he answering with? Scripture. He could have said anything, being the Son of God, had been correct. He set an example that he quoted Scripture. One, we have to know the Scripture to quote the Scripture. What about Matthew 22? Remember when the Sadducees come and try to trap him about whose, wife, whose husband is this wife going to be? And what does Jesus do? He quotes Genesis, I am the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He quotes a resurrection on a verb tense. Not I was, but I am. And so I think it's important. It is without, that's why it says in Matthew 5, don't do a jot or tittle, don't remove it. That's the smallest letter and marking of the Hebrew Old Testament. It is without error. So I think everything we have to realize is the reliability of the Word of God. And so I think, again, but the question is, what's your view? And I think I can tell you, and the Scripture can tell you, of what's your personal view. The second thing I think what I'd like to look at is, what about a righteous man? What does he do? You find that in Psalms 1, if you we know it quite well in Psalms 1. If you wanted to, the righteous man. It's amazing, I think, when you look at it. And we're only going to spend a, a minute or two here, because I want to be in the, where the main text will be today. But in Psalms 1... You notice it says what the righteous man does with the Word of God. And notice in verse 1, it basically says the righteous man in his relationship with those who reject God's Word. Notice it says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the path of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. He doesn't walk. He doesn't sit. doesn't stand. Why? Because if you are... So the question we ask, what do we listen to? What you listen to, what you read, who you associate with, has a much bigger impact on you than you realize, and on me. Remember growing up, listening to the different music. Well, I don't listen to the words; I just listen to the beat. I love the music. Fifty years later, the music comes on, and I can quote you the words, and I wasn't even trying to learn the words. 
And so I think it's important for us to recognize if we want to be a righteous person, we must associate with righteous people. But notice the second part when you have, what's his relationship to the Word of God? Notice it says his delight is in the Word of God and on it he meditates, what? Day and night. Day and night. Same thing with Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. What does he tell him? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate on it day and night. And then he also he tells you you have to do what's in the Word of God. Then you'll have success and prosper. So how many of us are not only in the Word of God, but when it tells us to do something, we do it. The Pharisees, they might be able to quote the Word of God, but what did Jesus say in Matthew 22? Do what they say, but don't do what they do, because they weren't doing it. So I think it's interesting, and obviously in verse 3, so you reject. You have to reject the people that reject the Word of God, don't spend time with them, other than trying to lead them to Christ, but that's not your close fellowship. What your relationship is to the Word of God is in verse 2, and then notice what's the results in 3. He'd be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Notice it's plural. If a tree is planted by water, how well is it going to flourish? A good example is the tree right out in the parking lot over here on the side. Why is it a big oak tree? Why is it dying? It's surrounded by concrete. It's got big enough now, and it cannot get the nutrients, and it's dying. What kind of summer have we had? And half of it's dead and it's continuing to die. Every week I look at it, it was one branch, two branches, it's done. If you and I are not in the Word of God, we're likewise going to die. Look what it also, it says it yields its fruit in the season if leaf does not wither. When would a leaf wither? Under, under difficult drought circumstances. The tree is under drought circumstances. If you look at trees, a tree is one that it dies from the outside. It protects the inner core. So that's why leaves, if you get too much rain or not enough rain, all the leaves on the outer part dies first and falls off, protecting the inner. What about you and I? How well are we in the Word of God to get our nutrients? I think a lot of us are starving to death. So the first two questions, what's the reliability of the Word of God? Do I really believe it? So what's my relationship to the Word of God? The second one is my righteous man. If I am, I am in the Word of God day and night and thinking about it all the time. Then I'll have these results. But I have to be in it every day. The third one, what about the capacity of the Word of God? What can the Word of God do for me? Let's look over in uh, Psalms 119, the longest chapter. How many verses are in Psalms 119? Look at it. How many are in? 176. Okay? And notice if you look at it, it's broken up into how many verses? How many sections? Notice in verse above verse 1, what does it say? Alpha? Yeah, and above verse 9. Okay, it's broken up into 8 verses. How many letters are in the Hebrew Old Testament? 22. 22 times 8 equals 176. Why did the author do this? It's because of a question. Now what you'll have, look at the question he was asked in verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure 
by keeping it according to the word of God. Psalms 119 is an answer to verse 9. So what happens is, and it's even more, you may not have, because it's not in our, obviously, English text. So we have 26 letters, but let's just use the first one above, which, by the way, is Scripture, in verse, above verse 1. Verse 1 through 8 all begin with that letter. Verse 9, then, down through verse 16, all begin with Beth. You think about it, that author, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to do some thinking. How many of you can think of, what can the Word of God do for me? A, and start off with eight different things. Go to B, what happens when you get to X? You think about it, the author is telling you the Word of God covers everything from A to Z. You want to know what to do, young man? I'm telling you what to do. Get in the Word of God. And it'll answer everything you need. So let's look a little bit about it. So that's kind of when you look at the request and why he does it, the acrostic psalm that we have. But notice his circumstances. I think a lot of times we don't realize just how difficult it was. Let's just look at a few of Andy's choices. He had, Look at the circumstances he was in and the choices he made. We'll just look at a few. What about verse 23? Even though princes sit and talk about me or against me, thy servant meditates on thy statue. People talking about you, what do we do? What about 51? The arrogant utter, or arrogant utterly deride me, yet I do not turn aside from thy word. What about 69? The arrogant have forged a lie against me. With all my heart I'll observe thy precepts. You keep going through this. I mean, the author, it wasn't easy. He had all kinds of opposition against him. He recognizes the opposition, but I'm in the Word of God and I'm staying true to the Word of God. Go to 78. May the arrogant be ashamed, for they subvert me with a lie, but I shall meditate on thy precepts. You go to 95. The wicked wait to destroy me. I shall diligently consider thy testimonies. 110. The wicked have laid a snare for me, Yet I've not gone astray from thy precepts. Sound a little anything like Daniel? Did they set a snare for him? Yep. It's all out there. You can go on to 157. There's so many of them that are in here that are like that. 157. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, yet I do not turn aside from thy testimonies. 161. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands awe of thy word. Was he under difficult circumstances? But yet he stayed true to the Word of God. If you remember, six years ago we went through the Psalms in 119. We have 22 sections. We took each week we took a different section. But notice the circumstances and his choices were there. But what can the Word of God do for me? We all can quote it. We know first of all, what about course in verse 11? What does it say? Thy word have I what? Well, that's actually thy word have I what? Word have I hid in my heart that I might what? 105, that word is a light into my path. Will the word of God show you the course with which you need to take? Does it tell you when to keep your mouth shut? Does it tell you when to open your mouth? Does it tell you how attitude you have? It'll tell you all of it. It will just open the word of God and look at it. It'll give us the course. 
not only will he give you the course, what about comfort? Does anybody, when they are down or at a funeral, the most important thing, you know, my words are inspired, is to give the Word of God. That's what comforts. What about verse 49? We talk about comfort, just a few of them. Notice in 49, talk about comfort. He tells us the course that we need to take. It also will comfort us. In 49, remember the word of thy servant, which thou hast made me hope. 92. If thy law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. It brings about comfort. We do the same thing today. Cast all your cares on because Hebrews 13, I will never leave you. Okay, Philippians 4, be anxious for but by prayer and supplication, peace of God. The Word of God, why do we want to memorize the Word of God? Because we don't know when we're going to need it. Jesus already had the Scripture there, so when Satan came, we need to be studying it because you never know when you're going to need it. Uh, how many of you have the right answers about three hours after you ask? Or <laughs> Okay, that's why we want to prepare ahead of time. Notice then two things. One, that obviously, of course, when others comfort. What about correction? A lot of times we don't like to get in the Word of God because it's going to correct us. What about in verse 59? I considered my ways and turned my feet to thy testimonies. You're reading the Word of God, and if you're being honest and say the Word of God says this, but I'm going this way, I need to make a correction. How many of you ever uh, been going on a trip and you took the wrong turn? What do you do? You going to make the correction, or are you just going to keep going? And I think it's important. What about sixty-seven? Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep Thy word. It has to do with correction. You have the same thing in seventy-one. I'm just going to actually say this. It's good for me that I was afflicted. That I might learn thy statutes. Hebrews, what does Hebrews tell us? The one whom the Lord loves, he does what? He disciplines. You know, you discipline your children because you're wanting to make them, correct them, and get them on the right path. The Lord does the same thing. The Word of God will do it for us. It'll show us where we're making mistakes and what we need to change. What about that? I think it's interesting is the challenge. Have any of you ever find the Word of God challenging? I'll give you two challenges that, you know, there's so many more in this psalm, but look at two. Look at verse 96. I have seen a limit to all persecution, or excuse me, perfection. Seen a limit to all perfection. Thy commandment is exceedingly broad. You, you and I can study this Word of God for three lifetimes, and we will never learn it all. It is so broad. So what do we do? Well, I'm too old, I can't learn it. Too much there for me. It's also, before we look at the second one, think about it, that's why in 1 Corinthians it tells you you give milk to a baby, and then it's solid food and so on. John, you talked about three. You had the infants, you had the young men, and you had adults. We need to likewise give the right food to the right person in the audience. With children or anything else, what part of the Word of God does a person need? What part do we need? 
all we need. To give you another challenge, look over in 131. How do you do this with the Word of God? I opened my mouth wide and panted for a long for thy commandments. How many of you are opening your mouth wide like a bird and saying, Lord, pour it in? That's what he's saying. I'm thirsty, pour it in, and I am hungry, and I need your word. How many of us are actually saying that? Lord, hey, this is it's so broad, but I need it, and I want it, and I'm opening it up and giving it to me. Or how many of us, I know enough, and I'm just fine. And the older we get, we get to that place where, hey, you know, plateau, I'm doing okay. I'm not like old Dan over there. I'm better than he is. I'll just stop right here. What about the uh, companions? What about verse 63? I am a companion of all those who fear thee and of those who keep thy precepts. Who do we choose to be our friends? Because we're going to become like the people we're around. Notice he's wanting to, he's writing to that young man, how do you keep going up here? I've chosen friends who likewise are following the Word of God. You likewise need to choose the people who are following the Word of God. What about the 74? May those who fear thee see me and be glad because I wait for thy word. Association 79, same thing. May those who fear thee turn to me, even those who know thy testimonies. It's so important to have fellowship. That's why in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22, remember he tells Timothy, flee youthful lusts and pursue those, and he goes on to give a description of a godly person. We need fellowship. The quickest way is why it says Satan is in 1 Peter, right? Satan's going about as a roaring lion. Well, who does a lion attack? Does he attack a herd? Or does he attack one that's off by itself, the sick, the weak, and one that's off by himself? We likewise, we have to be together. We need fellowship. There's an accountability when we have fellowship. There's also building one up. How about CPR? Any of you ever get to where you need some CPR? You realize 15 times in, the, in Psalms 119, it's, the author says, revive me. It's amazing. Let's just look at a few of them. Look over in verse 25. <clears throat> My soul cleaves to the dust. Kind of down, didn't he? Revive me according to thy word. Okay, he knows the Word of God and God's promise to things and he's claiming the promises that are in the Word of God. Are there promises in the Word of God you and I can claim? How many of us are? What about 37? Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in thy ways. Any of us ever get sidelined side or sidetracked? Need to get revived back on the right track? What about 50? <laughs> This is my comfort and my affliction that thy word has revived me. You have the same thing in 88. Revive me according to thy loving kindness so that I may keep thy testimony of thy mouth. How many of us want to be revived so we then can then keep his word? 
But notice it says it's according to his loving kindness. That's the Hebrew word hesed, which is used throughout the Old Testament. God's great loving kindness. How many of us want to be revived in order to do things? And he goes on, there's so many others that you have. Uh, I'll give you one more and we'll look at something. Look at 93. I will never forget thy precepts, precepts, for by them thou hast revived me. It helped me, therefore I'm going to keep them. So since you have this, what about 93? Well, I gave you that one. What about in 92? If thy law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. That's it. How many of us are that honest? If it wasn't for the Word of God, I wouldn't have made it. And so I think it's important when you have it. You have the same thing in 136. But how many of us do this? Most of us are only looking at the CPR for ourselves. But what about other people? My eyes shed streams of water because they do not keep thy law. How many have enough love for other people that you're crying because of how they're walking or not walking? Not just ourselves, but how many of us are doing it for others? Think about that, like I said, the CPR. You know, we've seen the course. What course should we be on? You think about the comfort. It brings comfort. It brings about correction. Obviously, the challenge, how vast it is, and just pour it in, Lord. You think about the companions, it tells us. CPR, how it can rescue us. Look over in 169. We'll see another one. Let my cry come before Thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to Thy Word. Let my supplication come before Thee. Deliver me according to Thy Word. The Word of God tells Him He has a caring high priest. And I wish we're glad you have a caring high priest. You know, we come to Him as we are, according to Hebrews 4 and verse 15 and 16. He understands our weaknesses. But you go to him to receive what? What does it tell you in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16? You go to him to receive healing. Right? You all are looking a little blank. Let's look at it. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Notice then, we, he understands us. He's been through it. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive what? Mercy and grace. Aren't you glad he, we don't have to ask for only what we deserve? We go to him and receive grace and mercy. So you think about it. Here the author then is telling you, young man, you want to know how to, to have a successful life? Walk in the Word of God. But it's amazing as I look back on our, the kids and I look back on all the different ones. We care so much and we're doing all this in sports and everything else. We're getting professional. I had a person ask me, his son at work is 12, plays basketball. Who can I get to be a coach to coach him on how to have a better shot? 
when my uh, daughter Ruthie or Jesse rather was playing softball. I mean, we're only in first or second grade. They already had professional pitchers teaching them how to pitch. We're spending thousands and thousands of dollars in time to become great at a sport. But how many of us are spending what's really more important with the Word of God? And why is it that we have such a hard time for Sunday school or anything? Because and our actions are saying what? We do not believe the Word of God is that important in our kids' lives. And so I think it's important because making a living, we can do that doing a lot of things. But the Word of God is so critical to every area of our life. So thinking about it today, so just think about the Word of God. Ask those same questions. What is my view of the Word of God? Intellectual view with practical view. They're not necessarily the same thing. What is my relationship to the Word of God? If it tells you to do something, what do we do? And then the last one, a couple other questions. What do I need from the Word of God today? He's telling you. It'll correct you. It'll comfort you. It'll challenge you. It'll be CPR, a high pre, whatever. What do I need from the Word of God today? What's He revealed to me about today? Did the Word of God show Him? Isn't that what Psalms 139? What does David say? Search me, O God, and what? Try me and see if there's anything. If I'm not in the Word of God, and if I'm not following it correctly, Lord, show me, and I want to make that correction. How many of us really feel that way? How can I use the Word of God to help somebody else today? I think it's important to recognize that when I went off to college, <clears throat> I was going to go for one year. The original plan was to go to OSU and, be, and go into forestry. So I, when I was a senior in high school, I said, I don't know my Bible very well. I need to learn my Bible better. And the reason I did that is I went down at that time to South Roads Mall, and Bud Peterson was my youth pastor, and we went down there to witness to people. I'll never forget sitting across from a young man and I'm trying to fumble through reading what, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing whatever and he was sitting across from me quoting the verses to him and he says you don't know your Bible very well and I thought well I need to learn my Bible better so I went to Bible college one year and I thought I need to be another year another year and I'm being six and, uh, and you're still learning but how many today if we really believe that would ever send our kid to college. Okay, they may not be going into full-time ministry. Do we ever consider saying, I want you to go one year to get a Bible basis? We don't do it because of what? Money? Or whatever. What we're really saying is it's not that important. I'd rather send you off doing this. You don't have to go to a Bible college, but there's so many other things. That's why... You know, we support Carolina Bible College. Or, you know, they have the one, you know, the course on how to study your Bible. That was the one I wanted to know more in Bible College than anything else. Don't tell me what all these things say. Show me how to find it and how I study the Word of God alone. Because when you're gone and when I leave the school, I know how to study the Word of God. I then can study for myself and I can give it to other people. And that's what we've been trying to do here at Dalton Hill I'll show you in the Word of God but teach you so that you can get it to teach others so what are we doing with the Word of God do we really believe it's that important